Hello, and welcome to this very special SHRM 18 edition of the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. John and Wendy interview Andrew Morton. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How are you, John? I'm doing very well, Wendy. As I mentioned, this is a special episode falling outside our normal, so we're going to be putting this out right in front of the uh, next chat that's taking place on May 16, which is the day this will be released, uh, talking more about SHRM 18 and and the conference. I'm super excited. Uh, Mm -hmm. We're going to be in attendance and lucky enough to have our guest on tonight to talk about the event a little more. And so uh, without any further ado, I'll let you make the introduction and we'll get started. Wonderful. And, you know, uh, keeping that plug going for next chat, that's really how you and I connected and met up. So um, it's definitely a worthwhile uh, way to spend an hour of your afternoon on Wednesdays. So, um, but we are excited to have uh, Andrew Morton um, online with us tonight. Um, he is the director of social engagement for SHRM. Um, he provides strategic leadership and direction for all of SHRM's social media and influencer engagement efforts. He works closely with the SHRM chapters and state councils across the country, providing them assistance in social media training. Prior to joining SHRM in 2014, he was a was um, the digital account manager for a leading communications firm headquartered in Alexandria, Virginia. He is also retired Army infantry um, who served in multiple leadership positions as well as overseas and combat tours um, around the world. He was in the Army for 21 years, serving in multiple senior public affairs positions, including chief of media outreach for multinational force um, Iraq, chief of marketing and advertising for the Army Reserve, and the director of digital and social media for the Army Reserve. He's so obviously passionate about veterans' issues to include um, programs and policies that support veteran employment as well as initiatives that support disabled veterans. And most importantly, Andrew serves as working dad to his three wonderfully exhaustive kids at home, headquartered outside of Washington, D.C. So, Andrew, welcome to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. And our first question is always, what's in your glass tonight? Oh, well, before I answer that, let me caveat to say that we're doing this at 8 o'clock at night. Um, <laughs> and also, if, if I'd known you were going to read it, I would not have sent you that bio. Um, but <laughs> the only thing that was true in that entire bio was the exhaustive part about three kids. Um, so I am actually, I have a Peroni right now, and it's not a glass. I'm actually drinking from the bottle. I, I, I hope I'm high enough class system to be a part of the social hour without <laughs> without pouring this thing into a glass I'm, I'm i'm happy to be here guys i really appreciate not just having me on tonight but everything that you guys do to really create engagement around not just hr but the workplace it, this this is a great chat and i'm really excited to be a part of it well thank you andrew appreciate that, andrew. that. And, and yes peroni in, in the bottle is just fine i would say that is a a worthy a worthy a worthy beverage for sure uh, as long as it's not through a funnel. <laughs> yeah, then it's been a few years. Um, but you know, my my inner Will Ferrell can come out from time to time. Well, that would that would be HR shenanigans, which we will probably uh, discuss in some type of live uh, situation this summer. Mm-hmm. But uh, wanted to talk to you a little bit, Andrew. Obviously, one of the reasons I want to have you on in your role, and you were kind enough to have me and Wendy as part of the blog squad this year, and recognize that the squad for SHRM 18 is a, a much more diverse group in terms of the people taking part when it comes to the type of content that's created. What was the yeah. thought in terms of expanding beyond the, the traditional blog space? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. I think diversity is, is 
on many different fronts, actually, you know, not just uh, diversity in terms of the mediums that uh, these influencers really uh, reach out to their audiences on, but also just from a, a global or cultural or HR perspective as well. So we're excited on all fronts. In terms of the medium, you know, honestly, you, you've got to ask yourself a real simple question. You know, people try to make social media complicated, and it's really not complicated. It's not easy, but it isn't complicated. And the question you have to ask is, where's your audience, right? So where's your audience, and ultimately, what are you going to do to reach them where they're at? And through a voice that they deem as credible. So, you know, when we put together 60-some-odd bloggers, you know, a blogger is almost a misnomer because a number of them, Joel Peterson comes to mind, spends most of his time creating video on Twitter and uh, doing other things. You know, Sel Watts uh, from Australia is creating 15-second blog or vlog hits um, after sessions telling people about the uh, most important thing that she learned from that particular session. And, of course, your traditional writers, too. My basic principle, our basic principle is this. The bloggers slash influencers aren't good because they write or tweet or post. They write or tweet or post because they're good, and they're good at the things that they do. And our goal is really to reach them in the mediums in which their audiences are. I love that. I, I, I love seeing where the, the squad has gone over the past few years and being able to watch at the conference and from afar. So I, I, I love that you guys are doing that to make that connection to people who cannot go. That's yeah, great. Yeah, you're, you're, you're exactly right. It's about expanding the breadth of the conference through many different voices. It's also about bringing added value to the people who are at the conference. You and John are but two examples of people, really, and, and you may be you know, humble, too humble to acknowledge this, but people look up to you all. When they meet you in, in real life, and they're like, you guys are HR social hour, and I know you've experienced this. It really is meaningful to them, and even that little bit of commonality that they then share with somebody who they've kind of really looked up to. They, it, it, it inspires them to kind of look to the future and figure out, okay, I know I can do this. So it's really also about, you know, if people just wrote or, or video blogged or anything else and they were not interactive with people to a certain degree, I don't really know if they'd be a good fit to be a part of the blog squad. So that's, a, that's another thing that I think we've gravitated to. We want the influencers who are part of our team to really feel like they're also there to help the people who who have come to the conference. That's very kind of you it's to say, awesome. Andrew. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> no. Well, I have a Peroni in front of me, so, you know. <laughs> there you the go. First one? <laughs> it, it is. It won't be the last, but it's the first one. For John and I being first-time bloggers at the conference, um, for myself anyway, you know, I start looking at the schedule and I start getting overwhelmed. It's like, yeah. oh, I need to go to things and I also need to write about things. And then John and I have these things that we want to do. But there are a few things, obviously, that are going to be, you know, must-see type things. So do you guys have the opportunity to attend sessions during the conference? Mm -hmm. And what, what speakers are you, like, really excited to see this year? Yeah, you know, so we, of course, we attend the, the, the keynote sessions with the group uh, of, of bloggers as well. I mean, I'm not going to lie, we're busy and we're going back and forth and I'm typically getting yelled at for somebody, somebody, something that somebody <laughs> tweeted that I have no control so we'll over. We'll just apologize now for yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, and I'll, I'll ration your bacon accordingly. Um, <laughs> you know, I do like to attend sessions and I really love the smart stage. I really do. 
I mean, maybe it's it's the nerd in me that just listens to TED Talk Radio on Sunday afternoons. But I think I think Letty Klutz and Lisa Block have done an incredible job of creating that TED Talk experience on the smart stage. It's not laden with slides, and it's short enough to keep all of our attention spans, you know, myself, yours truly in particular, kind of tied to the topic. So I, I love the smart stage. I think that there are some great smart stage sessions. I think we have some incredibly talented presenters there that really break down and distill things in a, in a way that's not just entertaining, but informative. You know, anything that has to do with culture. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Jonathan Siegel, his sessions about workplace compliance. It, it's over my head until he starts to use the analogies that he does and he relates it back to culture. I mean, it's not just important. I think we've all recently, it's not just important to have a workplace harassment policy. It's important to instill a culture within your organization that will proactively prevent the majority of those harassments from occurring in the first place. So I, I love sessions. If you Google, not Google, what am I talking about? If you type in keyword under five, find a session, you search culture. There's there's several dozen sessions about culture. And, and those are the ones for me, the person who hasn't been in HR his entire career, like so many of you, those are the things that fascinate me the most. Uh, there's one session in particular, the ethical leader, how to prevent ethical problems before they happen. I'll bite, right? <laughs> because mm-hmm. who doesn't want to now, you know, granted, you, you take every session with a grain of salt and you, and you take away from it what you what you can. But I, I just love the sessions that talk about culture. Andrew, we know you already had a chance to scope out McCormick Place, I'm sure more than once, but Chicago is a great city. I lived there for a couple years, and I'm a big fan. I always say it's my favorite big city to visit. For those who are first-time attendees or maybe have been to Chicago once and didn't really get to spend much time, what's one recommendation outside of the conference that you would make to those that are going to be attending? What do you do? What do you you eat? What's one thing you would recommend for people to do while they're there? Yeah, well, the first one is I'm going to hitch my wagon to you, John, because you seem to have the inside <laughs> scoop. So I will I will follow you. You know, the old infantry motto is follow me. I've, I've turned it into follow you. Um, yeah. So for me, what really makes the city fascinating is ultimately its personality. And, and Chicago is just an incredibly personality-laden city. I mean, as is New Orleans, as, as is Washington, D.C. in its own way. I want to go to the places that are emblematic of Chicago. So honestly, I want to walk down the street and find that place where there's that musician, right, that's more talented than 99% of the people on the Billboard Top 100, but just has never been discovered. And then walk away from that evening saying to myself, I've probably seen the most talented person in the world, and they're going to ultimately probably be living in a one-bedroom apartment for the rest of their lives. But that's okay, because that's what they love doing. For me, if you can show me where that place is, and I'm a live-to-eat, I'm not a live-to-eat guy, I'm a eat-to-live kind of guy, but I'll follow everybody else to all these <laughs> famous food places just to just for the for the social banter and the conversation. I wish I could tell you I could... I could recommend some great restaurants, and I will tell you Lisa Block can do a lot better job at that than me because she has um, something I don't have, which is like class. But (laughs) I will be there as a fly on the wall to listen to everything else that's going on because that's what it's about. It's about it's about really creating creating experiences, and honestly, you know that's what the Sherm Eighteen is. It's just about creating experiences. Yes, it's about professional development bringing stuff back to the office, making your office better. But it's also about networking and 
communicating and finding people who are like you because we we all do a little bit better when we realize that we're not alone in what it is that we either struggle with or what it is that we are passionate about exactly that and you know that's really why you know what don and i are trying to do it you know yeah you're gonna you're gonna learn stuff at the conference but you learn so much so fast it's that fire hose of information but the connections just they last and they help you oh you know what did that one speaker say about such and such and that's that's how you're gonna remember Mm -hmm. and even be able to take it back to somebody so yeah that's uh I I feel like I got so much more out of Sherman, D.C. than I did when I went to Orlando because I was making those connections. So absolutely. All right. Well, Andrew, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show, the half hour question connection. Where, you know, the Jeopardy music starts coming in. Uh, <laughs> for real or like do you want me to make it or is it going to be like no. edited? Oh, I, well it's it's not it's it's, it's, not, it's another one it's not jeopardy because i don't want okay. to get in trouble for licensing oh yeah because <laughs> yeah. they're, they're waiting they're, you slip up john and they're gonna be not door they really yeah they're that. right there the fcc is right on on target <laughs> andrew you know obviously we talk a lot about networking that's kind of our whole deal here so tell us how networking has helped you in your career and what's been really effective for you in networking Wow. So, you know, I, I was an English major in college that nice. barely scraped by and graduated. <laughs> so I didn't have a lot of people beating on my door, but I, I joined the military um, after college. And I will tell you that networking became not only my my favorite thing to do, but an absolute necessity, not just during my military career, but also after my military career. And in particular, networking, in my opinion, is one part humility because you have to be able to reach out to other people and you have to be vulnerable and you have to say, you know, I'm not going to be able to accomplish this on my own. And I need your advice, whether it's in my change of career or whether it's how to more effectively be successful in my current career. So you have to be, yeah, it's one part humility slash wrapped in vulnerability. I think the other part is just being unafraid. And maybe the two are inextricably tied together being unafraid of asking people for help. You know, there's this old adage of guys don't like to ask for directions when they drive, blah, 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 blah. I'm the first one to get out of my car and find somebody who looks like they know where they're going <laughs> because I don't really want to be lost. So networking is, is really a part of that. A quick story. When I first transitioned from the military back in 2012, I was so focused on what my skill set was, I forgot to ask myself the most important question. And it was a woman two and a half years later after I had floundered in my first job after the military. It was a, it was a woman called the HR Whisperer, and I'm not making that up. She pushed <laughs> across a piece of paper from me. She pushed away my resume. She pushed away all the other stuff that I completed, all the jobs I thought I was going to move on to next. as a part of my outplacement and pushed a blank piece of paper across and said, I don't want to know what you're capable of doing. I want to do. I want to know what you are going to be passionate about. And I hadn't really thought about that. Frankly, networking is also about yourself, not to be too esoteric, but you, you also gotta you also gotta realize what it is that you are not only good at, but what you wanna do. I really think that you have to be vulnerable, you have to have humility, and you have to be unafraid to not only ask other people for help, but look in the mirror and say, What am I gonna do? What am I gonna be? What do I wanna be? And how am I gonna get there? That's awesome. Andrew, you mentioned a little earlier some of the sessions you would like to attend or focus on. Who who are you reading, following? Who do you go to get 
your HR insights and, and kind of keep up and, and learn what's going on out there? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, Mary Kaler, and you guys know Mary. Um, Mary Kaler is our manager of uh, public affairs uh, here, works with me. Uh, she doesn't work for me. She works with me. Bottom line is, is that she puts together a compilation of all different voices across the whole HR gamut, from compliance to talent acquisition to culture, workplace culture, to you name it. So I like to go to the Sherm blog. I'll be unapologetically supportive and I'll promote it. I think it's a great place. I mean, the two of you, you did obviously to the Sherm blog, not just in your Sherm 18 pieces, but in other pieces as well. I also, frankly, think that our Sherm journalists, our Sherm.org journalists do a really good job of writing about the uh, the most important uh, workplace topics of the day. And it's not really just HR, it's workplace stuff. It really it really is. I mean, reading uh, books about workplace culture, I love, I love reading books about culture in general. I love Malcolm Gladwell. But I also like to really distill and understand really what's going on, you know, FMLA. What does it mean, you know, ultimately? What are the changes? What are the hourly wage changes? What are the overtime regulations going to be? I do think that we do a pretty good job at Sherm of kind of distilling these these issues and i'm never i'm maybe smart enough in some of them to be dangerous but i allow myself to to really read about it and and again i'll go back to a voice that i mentioned earlier jonathan siegel i just think he, he happens to be the right and left brain perfect combination of uh, what i call compassionately compliant meaning that he knows basically what you could and shouldn't do but he also understands Beyond the ethics of things, uh, he understands the moral aspects of why you should do the right thing. He is uh, top on my list of who I want to meet <laughs> this summer. <laughs> well, I will consider it done because we will pull him into the bloggers lounge on as many times as we can. Yeah, we've uh, he and I have been uh, tweeting back and forth and trying to figure out uh, get that scheduled because uh, I, I love chatting with him on Twitter. So I know it's going to be awesome to be able to sit down and chat with him in person. Love it. So, Andrew, we do like to talk about some non-HR stuff on our podcast as well. Tell us about your favorite movie. You know, I saw that question coming, and I was thinking to myself, oh, man, i got to be careful here. <laughs> so, you know, it's funny. We've already my brought gra- My grandmother, and, 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 you know, I won't divulge. Well, it doesn't matter. You know, I'm, I'm over 50, and when I was about eight years old, my grandmother took me to Animal House because she thought it was a Disney movie. <laughs> so... To this day, um, it's one of my favorite movies. I don't. I still, to this day, don't understand some of it. I'm probably emotionally scarred by it, but nevertheless, um, Animal House is definitely one of my favorite movies. I just, I think, rather than tell you exactly what my favorite movie is, I would say what's the right, what's the right concoction or recipe to make a really good movie. I think the first one is dialogue, where you 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 feel like you're actually listening to people spontaneously really talk about what it is that they're saying on screen. I mean, you all, you, I, I don't know the first thing about screenplay writing or, or creating television or, or movies, but I can tell what real is and what real isn't. And so I love dialogue. Um, I So, you know, to that, and I would say my favorite movie of recent times is probably Gone Baby Gone. Uh, it's not a happy movie um, by any stretch of the imagination, and I do love comedies, anything by Will Ferrell. Um, I I find hilarious, but I do think a movie like Gone Baby Gone really creates, in my mind, kind of like the the world is not black and white. And if you see that movie, I won't won't divulge or give away the ending. 
if you see or hear that movie, you'll realize that you may think you would make a particular choice or another, but you can't say that until you've been in that particular position. I love movies that don't judge. They just hmm. basically create a realistic environment where people make choices and there's really no judgment about it. Andrew, I'm curious then, what about your favorite musician or band, and is there a formula for that? Yeah, well, for me, it, it, it's funny. I think this also mood. I mean, we like music sometimes because it, it's reminiscent of, of a memory gone by or something that we fondly reflect upon. So some of some of my favorite songs are, are <laughs> not very good. So some <laughs> of those 80s one-hit wonder bands, like, you know, oh. always something there to remind me or... or Voices carry from, uh, oh my goodness. Till Tuesday. Uh, what, Till Tuesday. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite all-time videos. Huge crushes as a, as a formative teen at that particular time. <laughs> so I love that music, right? I'll hear it. I'll listen to it. Somehow, some way, it'll play somewhere. Take on me. Aha, we'll play in the eighth inning of a, of a baseball game. And it'll bring me back to high school or, or whatever. But in terms of like music, I love acoustical music with vocals and whether they're male or female vocals uh, i do like it when you can break down music and you can kind of just listen to it alexi murdoch is a relatively famous guitar guitarist i saw him play in, in edinburgh scotland about five years ago when i was at a conference he's scottish and there was about maybe 75 people in the room and he actually became famous through the soundtrack from gone baby gone because the last scene in the movie is his song that's the type of music that I really enjoy. Yeah, my kids think I'm just like, this is boring. And like, God, Dad, you know, like stab me in the eye with a pen or something. But well, we, yeah. get, we, we do get those arguments at my house. We, My older daughter is 12 and we've gotten her into Guardians of the Galaxy. And so she loves Love to listen to those soundtracks. Yeah. So, you know, 70s easy listening. She loves it. And our younger seven-year-old is just, no more 80s music. <laughs> Yeah, so. you, you know, real quickly, my son and I were, were were watching Baby Driver, and he's 15, so he's kind of close to that age. Probably shouldn't let him watch that movie, but the soundtrack <laughs> is awesome, and oh. the Commodore's Easy Like Sunday Morning <gasps> extended version is on that soundtrack, and it's juxtaposition against a driving scene that you wouldn't imagine Easy Like Sunday Morning being, <laughs> and I, I just, music makes everything better, doesn't yeah. it? I mean, it really does. It really yeah. does. Definitely. Well, now I, we know what we can put in the soundtrack in the Bloggers Lounge. Absolutely. <laughs> um, moving back to the visual medium, favorite TV show? I thought about this, too, and it's hard to kind of pick just one. But, you know, I think for my money, it's lost. And uh, no. it was the last show that I watched episode to episode, week to week, meaning it was before binge watching. You had to wait oh, until sure. the following Sunday. And you had to sit through the commercials. I mean, you, if you T-vote <laughs> it, you could actually do it. But Lost, to me, and wow. I understand some people argue about what it all meant and, you know, the ending wasn't true to the beginning and blah, 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 blah. But you know what? You had a bunch of people on an island who were better because they worked as a team. And I always say that we need to be at our best when things are at their worst. And when you got a smoke monster chasing you, <laughs> I think things are at their worst. The the whole Jack Shepard thing is my favorite character because talented physician in the real world, wherever the real world was, and I understand there's these flash forwards, flashbacks, flash sideways. Talented spinal surgeon. 
had everything he could want in the real world, but he was at his best when he was stuck on an island with a group of people who were looking to him to help them. And, and in my opinion, that's what made Lost. Really what it was is that bad circumstances, well, for the most part, some of them weren't good, brought out the best in most people. Andrew, if you're not watching Animal House, which is also a personal favorite, yeah. if you're not listening <laughs> to Alexi, the guitar player, or watching Lost, what else do you like to do when you put away the, the Sherm things for the day and, and go home? What do you like to do outside of work? What I like to do or what am I forced to do? No. Well, you can answer I, either I, way. That's yeah, I love, I love being with my kids. I love being with my kids. They, they are my mentors and my heroes. I was 15, 12, and 10-year-old. And and all three of them are uniquely different. It's amazing. I don't I don't know how they came from the same specific biological organ, origins, but they're all uniquely different, and they all are. They come with their own inherent challenges, and definitely have all their own unique strengths. And so, being with my kids is is an incredible part of what I do every day. I grew up outside of Philadelphia. I'm a passionate Philadelphia sports fan, which up till recently was a basically a really tough proposition and i'm really (laughs) i'm a little bit worried i was wearing my my philadelphia eagles hat the other day and some guy came up to me as if i was a bandwagon i'm like i don't think you understand the years of pain and turmoil (laughs) that i went through and i I don't know if winning the super bowl is a good thing because next thing you know i'm going to turn into like a new england patriots fan and lord knows i don't want to do that I hope, no, no, no. oh, I shouldn't have, we can edit that out, maybe. <laughs> At least in the New England area, you can geo-target it. Get yeah, it out. there we go. So I, I love being I love good. being outside. I think it's normally because less things are broken outside in terms of being around my kids. <laughs> and uh, Or it's somebody else's thing that gets broken. So just being outside, being around the kids. I don't know, I love, I love my job. I love Sherm. I'm really passionate about what I like to do. But in the hierarchy of my world, to be honest with you, John and Wendy, it's it's the kids. Well, that's awesome. So, if you weren't working for Sherm, what do you think you'd be doing professionally? God, I try, try to think of that about, about myself. You know, I think in all seriousness, I do. I am passionate about veterans' causes, and in one cause in particular, employment. You know, in some cases, we don't have unemployment; we have wrongful employment. Mm, where, yeah. and, and believe me, these these are generally first world problems. Don't get me wrong. We have to we have to keep things in perspective because there are people in this world that don't have security, don't have education, don't have health care, don't have anything. And we have to be mindful and appreciative of what we do have. But there are a lot of people out there that are wrongfully employed. The unfortunate part about it is they don't have their purpose. They don't have their sense of belonging. I honestly believe that there's a lot of veterans out there that either don't have the right information or understanding of what they are capable of doing or they may not have fully reflected on what it is that they want to do when they transition. You know, the number one cure-all for depression, PTSD, and some of the other challenges related to transitioning from military service is purposeful employment. You know, that could be working as a volunteer at a nonprofit to being a part of the C-suite at J.P. Morgan Chase. Bottom line is, is that you need to feel like it it's where you need to be and where you belong. So if I weren't working at Sherm, it would probably be in some capacity, my my skill set notwithstanding, in making sure that people feel like they have a purpose-driven employment. And that's just not veterans. It's everybody. I mean, listen, my mom worked for the Department of Taxation for almost 20 years, 
and nobody thanked her for her service. But if it weren't for her, we wouldn't have roads, we wouldn't have schools, we wouldn't have a military, we wouldn't have anything. So we all serve in one capacity or another. HR people are very reminiscent of many of the people I serve side by side with because of their propensity to want to help other people find what they're good at or make them good at what they do. If I weren't doing this, I'd probably do something else related <laughs> to this, but with a different organization. Cool. Andrew, I want to congratulate you. You successfully made it through the, the question of connection and through the conversation, uh, survived unscathed. We, <laughs> we really do appreciate you taking part tonight. And this is the time in the show where you have your opportunity, anything you'd like to promote, how to how folks should find you. The floor is yours. Well, I don't want them to find me. Uh, I want <laughs> them to find you guys. You know, <laughs> I honestly believe I'm, I'm proud of the work that all of you all are doing to not just promote annual conference, but to promote all these important things that go into what annual conference really stands for, the networking, the professional development, the experiential context of everything, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that it is, the exposition hall, solutions, etc. The number one driver of traffic to SHRM's annual conference site, annual.sherm.org, last year and this year, is the collective voice of the Sherm 18 blogger team. It's you all that are doing it. And the great thing is, and this is the one thing I take away from my uh, my literature major, is that I can have some sort of, in some cases, literary illusions. And one is from Huck, Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer in The Painting of the Fence. You guys are all out there painting the fence. Nobody wants to see me paint the fence because they want to listen to you guys. So the 60-some out of you from... Pakistan to India to Australia to Canada to North America and everywhere else in between. I promote that. It, go to blog.sherm.org, click on the Sherm 18 banner in the top right-hand side, and you'll see dozens of submissions from you all over already about all the important things to do at annual conference. So that would be my thing that I would say. And we will put that in the show notes for sure. Perfect. So, Wendy, how for you? How did our uh, listeners get in touch with you? Um, best way to find me is on Twitter, Wendell93, um, or my blog, mydailyjourney.com. Daily is D as in dog, A-I-L-E-Y. And I'll put a little plug in here. Follow the Sherm18 and the Sherm18 bloggers hashtag for all of the great um, Sherm18 content that's coming now during the conference and after the conference. Um, you'll see us, both John and I, using those hashtags quite a bit um, in the coming months. And also be sure to join us on the fourth Sunday of each month at 7 Eastern for the HR Social Hour chat on Twitter. John, how about you? You can always find me on Twitter. That's at John, J-O-N underscore Thurmond, T-H-U-R-M-O-N-D. I'm happy to connect on LinkedIn. I would ask if you want to connect there, just send me a note to let me know you either heard the podcast, took part in a chat, and want to connect. I'd, I'd appreciate that. I'll also make a plug to look for not at Sherm18. Uh, Wendy and I will be helping with that uh, hashtag as well on Twitter throughout throughout the coming months. If you have a question or comment about the show or chat, you can send us an email at hrsocialhourpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook if you search HR Social Hour. You can find the show, hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com. We're on iTunes, the Podbean app, Podchaser, Stitcher Radio, and hrpodcasters.com. One thing I would ask, and it's the same thing each week, we don't ask for much. If you like the show and you're listening, which we know people are, 
because we see our numbers and it's exciting and it's it's great to see not only here in the United States but globally we have listeners and and we are so appreciative of that but the way to help us is to share and to rate if you're on iTunes give us five stars if you're listening on another app thumbs up stars whatever the the mode is all that goodwill and, and all that positive feedback helps us and gives us more exposure on those platforms and finds more listeners and helps us build build the uh, build the HR social hour gang again Andrew thanks for being with us tonight and for the HR social hour half hour podcast I'm John and I'm Wendy and as always be sure to connect give back and network, network. take care everyone we'll see you in Chicago.